right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. F that. You don't got time for that. All right? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it. Let it cross. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We have a fun one coming at you today because we are going to be recapping the KU Baylor game. We got a look ahead with a quick turnaround. KUTCU later tonight. We uh, also are going to be talking with Graham Doran of the uh, Bracketology fame, I I guess I should put it. Um, He does Bracketology, former KU grad, and he's going to be joining the show at 440 to discuss where KU sits right now, the NCAA release that was over the weekend with the top 16. Kansas coming in one seed there. We also have plenty of audio from Bill Self, Jalen Wilson, and plenty others coming at you throughout today's show. So how about that? Derek, Kansas won 87 to 61. Huge news. Before we get into that. Bigger than bigger huge than Kansas news. Baylor. Bigger than Massive Kansas Baylor. News. Is the, it bigger the, than Kansas the Baylor? The most huge news. You were of avoiding all time. my question. Yes, it's way bigger. Oh, okay. Huge. I like to snack. I'm a snacker. Yeah. Okay. I like to have enjoy some snacks. <laughs> okay. Okay. I go to the store. And I'm like, you know what? I want to get some Cheez Its. I go to the Cheez It aisle. The, it's gone. There are no Cheez Its. <laughs> I'm like, what is going on here? What? It turns out there is a Cheez-It manufacturing wow. shortage. I was just eating some white cheddar Cheez-Its yesterday. I should have savored them more. Dude, I could have sold them to you for an upcharge. What are we doing? What is the best flavor of Cheez-It? I, I just like the original. <clears throat> boring. Honestly. Lame. You can call me boring if you want. That's just what I like. No, it's but classic. They, 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 it's I, they don't have it. It's gone. Yeah. Wow. It's gone forever. Forever? I don't know. I, I I don't know. I don't know. I'm 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 frazzled right now. I'm, this would have I'm been panicked. a this would have been a national catastrophe if this would have happened the week of the Cheez It Bowl. Yes, yes, it would have been. Yeah. Yes. Good timing. It's a catastrophe now for my stomach. Yeah. Because I want some Cheez Its and I couldn't get any. Said you had to settle for goldfish. Yeah, I got some goldfish instead. But yeah, I like the snack, and mm-hmm. I couldn't get my snack of choice. <laughs> and at, and then at the store, I was like, dude. How is it possible that every single person bought boxes of Jesus? Well, it turns out that's not the case. It turns out mm. the actual case is that there is a manufacturing shortage. Yeah. The cheese it trees aren't producing as many cheese. I mean, what anymore. are we doing? Yeah. How hard know. is it to make cheese it? I don't know. Well, you maybe, just, maybe you just, just make them. Just like Kansas, they're going to have a strong second half. This was their bad first half. Second half, they're going to produce too many cheese its, and then they're going to have to put them well, on sale. I, can I trust cheese its now? That's a question. They've already, have to, they've already, to deal with. you know, my loyalty is shaken. Mm, that's fair. When when I needed them the most, who was there for me? Not cheese it. <laughs> I think it'll be just fine. I think it'll be just fine. Uh, Kansas beats Baylor eighty-seven <laughs> to seventy-one. I am just wild at game. odds about where to even start here. They, yeah, they were down game. thirteen points at halftime. They were down forty to twenty-three with like yeah three seventeen point left. deficit at one point in the first half. They're down thirteen at the end of the half. Yep. And it's not just that they won the game. It's that they won the game by 16 points. I've yeah, I've never seen a turnaround. Like, we've seen this team 
or Bill Self teams have unbelievable comebacks. We saw them have the great comeback against Missouri. We saw them have a great comeback against Florida in the, the mid-teens. We saw them come back many times last season, whether it was North Carolina, the championship, yeah. or this season, whether it was Oklahoma State or Oklahoma. We've yeah. seen all these crazy comebacks. But what has happened in all of those comebacks, basically, is that you come back and then you win a close game because you have dug yourself out of such a deep hole that by the time you come back, like you, you achieved the comeback. Now go win the close game. Yeah. They achieved the comeback by the I don't know, twelve minute mark, fifteen minute mark yeah. of the game, and then they just added to it. They blew them out. Yep. It doesn't make sense. It does not make sense. I'm gonna call this one the Allen game. Okay. Because if this is played on a neutral court, Baylor wins by <laughs> 20? Well, certainly the, 30? the onslaught, the avalanche, like the momentum, it just picks up. It increases even more yes. when you're at home in a game. I mean, it, it sounded so loud. I, I wasn't at the game, but okay, you listen. Know, watching back the game, I the Grady Dick three to go up 50 to 49, and then the KJ Adams dunk shortly what, after. What I actually will tell you, I will actually tell you as somebody who was at the game, the difference maker was the halftime show. The halftime was show it? was like this guy and his dog doing crazy stuff, and that the halftime show like re-energized the crowd. Back. Yeah, it re-energized the Normally crowd. Normally, it's a somber halftime. Exactly. That was like, oh, yes. okay. No, but it was the halftime show was what got the whole ball mm-hmm. rolling. I'm telling you. I'll say that and that's I, not going to show up on the stat sheet. By yeah, the way, I, I I'd be pro uh, dog halftime show every time. I'm all for it. It was like one of those ones where. The dog like bounces on stuff like basketballs and like does crazy tricks and you know what I'm talking about like mm-hmm. one of those ones. Yeah, you know. But it got the crowd back into it. I'm telling you, that's what you need. That was one. Of, that was one of the differences. So you love that, but yeah, I mean, it it really was a tale of, you know, everything that Baylor is both positive and negative showed up in the game. Everything yeah. that Kansas is positive and negative showed up in the game, and they just happened in different halves. Like the first half. Uh, you had, I mean, it was literally just three guys. It was literally yes. just three guys, and then Jalen Bridges <laughs> hit a late three for for Baylor. Uh, Keontae George, Adam Flagler, LJ Cryer just went off in the first half, and that's everything that Baylor is when they're good. They have three really good guards that create shots and make tough shots for them. Yep. They were 9 of 14 from three in the first half. I mean, you could not stop them. You Keontae couldn't. George specifically hit some crazy threes. He had the four-point play. He had one that was like from near the logo with Jalen Wilson right in his face and just knocked it down like just ridiculous shots that I like even you just the types of shots that you just have to tip your cap to like you like you just you did your best and the other guy just hit a crazy shot. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it felt for a good chunk of that first half. Yeah. So like you had Baylor doing everything right and that's what makes them the number one offense in the country. Meanwhile for Kansas. What have been some of their shortcomings this year? Well, maybe little lulls here or there where the defense has not quite been as as good as you might think that the potential is there for. Yeah. Missing easy shots. We saw that a lot against like Oklahoma in the game in Allen Fieldhouse. Uh, I mean, the Jalen Wilson like missed layup and, and some of the missed shots that KU was unable to convert on on the inside. Missing threes uh, at a high rate. They were one of 11. Yeah, giving up a bunch of offensive rebounds. They were having issues in a lot of ways that we had seen there. And in ways that, you know, I I have brought up the question here over the last couple of weeks, the one thing that I haven't seen this team do as well as maybe like last year's team is they don't 
have the ability, or at least they haven't shown it really consistently yet, to make the other team play poorly. When you're not playing well, when you're not hitting those shots, when you're going one of 11 from three, well, can you make the other team play poorly? In the first half, you were not doing that. No. So the first half was was literally everything good about Baylor. It was everything bad about Kansas. And then we flipped to the second half, and it was the complete opposite. <laughs> it was everything good about Kansas, everything bad about Baylor. Uh, the things that are bad about Baylor, yeah, they're great on offense. Best offense in the country. They have those three go-to guards. But they are not really good at anything else. I mean, I guess no. they're good at offensive rebounding. They're bad on defense. Yeah, they're bad on defense. And like, it showed. Coming in, they were the 10th defense of 10 Big 12 teams. Yep. And yes, the Big 12 is very good, so you could be the 10th best in the Big 12. You're still like 60th or 70th in the country. That's true. But that is the defense is not good enough for, for Baylor to win the national title. I think the worst defense that's ever won a title like coming into the tournament was like 37th or something. Actually, I think Baylor might have been like 44th the COVID year, but they ended up being like top 20 that year because, I don't know, they had, they had COVID stuff. and <laughs> For all intents and purposes, it was 37th. Uh, like They're not yeah. close to that. So it was everything bad about the Baylor defense. And it was everything good about Kansas. You yeah. saw the the ability of Jalen Wilson to grind through. You saw um, the ability of what happens when Dewan Harris is aggressive and he's a scorer. You saw what happens when you're able to stick Dewan Harris and Kevin McCuller, these two really good perimeter defenders, on other guys. And they, they changed up from being a team that was switching five in the first half to just sticking on those guys in the second half. You saw what happens when they're a better defensive rebounding team. Because when you're a better defensive rebounding team, a, you're going to give up less easy buckets and you're going to give up less opportunities for them. But also, that's going to lead to a lot of your transition opportunities. It's easier to run on a rebound than it is on an inbound pass. So you're just going to be a better transition team, which they were able to do in the second half. That game was literally everything about the positive and negatives of both teams. And in the end, Kansas won by 16, which still just blows my mind. <laughs> yeah, in the second half, the big difference was what you touched on briefly, which is the the, the adjustment on defense for KU to stop switching and, and really stick into their guys a little bit more. And that really, really limited Flagler specifically. And George went cold, right? Like they were 9 of 14 from three in the first half, 1 of 11, I think, in the second half, or 1 of 10 from three, 1 of 11 in the second half for Baylor. Uh, from three, so obviously they also just went cold shooting wise, but the part of that was the switch that Kansas made on defense, which was to stop switching all five. Because in the first half, again, similarly to the game we saw in Waco, Baylor was just basically switching until they got, or was basically just running ball screens and forcing KU to switch until they got Flagler or George or Cryer onto KJ Adams and then attacking KJ Adams ISO. And so once KU stopped doing that, once they stopped switching and they started sticking to their guys a little bit better. It really, really messed up the offense for Baylor, and Baylor is not really a team that, that has a lot of execution offense, right? Like they're a team that pretty much just relies on shooting and relies their on their guards to make plays. They don't really run a lot of set plays per se for their offense. And so in the second half, the combination of them getting cold, the combination of Kansas adjustment, and Baylor just didn't have an answer. They didn't have any sort of counter adjustment to what Kansas was doing defensively. And then on the other end. KU just absolutely ripped apart their defense, which their defense, as we said, not good, and it showed again. KU here was able to just do whatever they wanted. Dewan Harris was masterful. I mean, he's clearly, clearly turned on, right? He had that stretch uh, as part of KU's three-game losing streak after the K-State game where he looked not like not fully like himself. Well, he has definitely, definitely rebounded from that, and he's been phenomenal over the last two weeks now, basically. Well, they mentioned the stat on the broadcast. They were 11-0 coming in, so I think that makes him 12-0 when he scores double digits. Kevin Flaherty from 24-7 Sports, we'll have him on tomorrow, uh, tweeted out the stat on Saturday. Over the course of his career, KU's undefeated when he scores four points. 
That's insane. Well, we've talked about it. You know, when when you look at DeJuan as a scorer, you don't need him to score 12, 14 points a game. Like, if he's getting you 6, 8, 9, 10 points a game, like, that's enough of him to be a threat as a scorer, right? Like, he just has to be, he just has to be a threat. And obviously, he hit a couple threes in this game, which was awesome. Uh, but yeah, he doesn't he doesn't have to be a bulk scorer. He just has to be a threat, right? And when he does that, just that idea of it, it opens up. It's almost like uh, it's almost like the play action pass in football, where just just the idea of it. You don't even have, you don't necessarily have to be a great running. team. I like that comparison. Yeah, you don't necessarily have to be a great running team to execute play action pass, but the idea of it, the threat of it, forces the other team to respect that, and that's what Dewan Harris does when he's able to score even five six points a game. Like that's all he needs to do. That's enough to make a defense. Uh, respect him a little bit more, and that just opened up so much because obviously, of course, he's got excellent floor vision. He always finds the right play. He always makes the right pass. Uh, just, just phenomenal for Dwan here. Yeah, and and besides the aggressiveness, like you said, with the right pass, nine assists to one turnover. Yeah. Do you know how many turnovers KU has a, had as a team <clears throat> in the game against Baylor? Yeah. I didn't. I didn't check the. Box. All right, then this is good. Take a guess. Okay. It's probably like eight. It's four. Man. That's incredible. Well, I think Baylor is 10th in the Big 12 and 4th. They are. They are. But also you had, uh, I forget if it was 15 or 17 the first time you played them, which a lot of those were unforced. Like you yeah. said, like DeWan yeah. was not himself. Like the one that sticks out to everyone is uh, they had the turnover and they tried to throw it deep to, to Joe Yesvu and it gets yeah, like intercepted. Right yeah. uh, when he's on, when he's going, he is so much better. Now, um, I do think that answered a bit of our questions about like what are the ankles going to look like after they, they held up. But Dewan and Kevin Kohler yeah. both held up. In the case of Dewan, I didn't really even notice. McCuller, you could Kevin, tell. he was laboring he did through. Not and look great. Bill Self after the game said he's in a lot of pain, which he still played twenty nine and a half. Minutes, yeah, by the way, which is a so. good sign, but also a little bit scary. And and you hate that they have sh- such a short turnaround to TCU. Yeah, but I would imagine between TCU and West Virginia Saturday, that'll be really good off time for him with that kind of five days in between. But overall, he was still able to to do his. Yeah, thing. he was effective. Yeah, he was effective, and but yeah, it definitely you could tell that it was impacting his his performance uh, in in certain areas. But on defense, he he held his own. He was able to 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 do pretty well mm-hmm. in that area. And Ernest Duda had another great game. I think it's safe to say that you know he's pretty much arrived as the backup center as a as a player that can be more trusted and relied upon to come in and, and give quality minutes, right? I mean... Every time we'd have the conversation when a, a bench big played well for the first, like, two or it, three it, months It, it season, was always like, well, let's well, can, you stack, it it? Yeah, can yeah. you stack it? Can he you do has. another game? Can you have another game? This is at this, this is point, like the, what, like six, six or seven? Yeah, I was yeah. Gonna say like seventh game in a row where he's given you pretty good minutes. So yeah, I think he's, he's just I think he's just there now. He's, he's becoming there. a guy. He's becoming a guy, for sure. Um, he's clearly in the Bill Self uh, trust tree now. Bill I thought Bobby was good off the bench, too. Yeah, hit a three from the corner. Had that one. It, yeah. Bobby is kind of in the same um, group as Dewan from a standpoint of you need him to be searching for shots. Doesn't mean he has to you know search to be a yeah. twelve point per game scorer or that he has to search for eight shots a game. But you have to be aggressive enough that you can't just be like the guy who's dribble, 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 run around, run around, pass to someone else. Dribble, 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 exactly. run around. You know, you well, have listen, to you have to go for it. The difference between Joe and Bobby at times has been that Joe has been that guy. But when Joe is not scoring or not even being really a threat to score, I think Bobby does more as a passer and more as kind of a guy to create more for the offense than Joe does. And I think Bill Self agrees with that assessment because mm-hmm. Bobby played quite a bit more in this game in a game where Joe came in and was really ineffective for the brief time that he did play, and then it was pretty much Bobby the rest of the way. Yeah, I think for me the, the math equation there is good Bobby is more than good Joe, which is more than non-existent <laughs> Bobby, which is more than non-existent Joe. Does that make sense? No, no, it doesn't. <laughs> no, what, no. The the equation is 
Bobby and Joe, when Joe is not shooting or scoring, Bobby greater than Joe. Okay. But what about the games where Bobby is not even trying to score? I think then in that think case, Joe, Joe is better than... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That was score. my math equation. That no, was my no, math what? Equation. What? No. Yeah. Where did... The, uh, <laughs> what? No. You totally lost me with that Okay. One. Well, in but my listen, mind, it as works. you know, math is not a good, not a good thing. <laughs> Especially in, in the... The earlier in the show, the That's worse fair. it is. But yeah, I mean, as gigantic as a victory as you could have, because uh, yeah, it, a couple ways. Uh, one for Kansas. Now the path, like like we said, this coming in, we'll continue to, to harp on the, the idea. If twelve is the number, all you had to do after you won at Oklahoma State was win out at home. The Baylor game at home represented your most losable game at home. Doesn't mean you can't lose to West Virginia Tech at home, but you're going to be you, you, sizable favorites you in both. Figure you probably won't you should. Lose, yeah, so. that, those would be pretty. Monumental collapse type of losses if you lo- lose either of those, right? Which Kansas doesn't do that. So you win out at home, you get to twelve. Now will twelve be the number? Will it be thirteen? We'll see. But that opens that up. That that it keeps you on that path. It also, I think, really opens the possibility for you to even get to thirteen. Yes. Because now you view it as well, win those two at home, which you should do. Yep. And split on the road, either win in Fort Worth yeah. or win in Austin, and that yeah. makes tonight's game, I think, even more um, interesting. Sure. Yeah, it's it. I wouldn't say it's more crucial because again, if you lose tonight, you can still win in Austin or whatever. But it does make it a bigger opportunity tonight because then you. I can, mean, if you win tonight, the the Big Twelve is like yes, almost wrapped up. Well, that's what I think. At least is funny. a share. At least a share. If you win tonight, you're like going to be viewing much it, have a share. even though you would technically have the same amount in the loss column as Texas. You would view it as like, yeah, at the very least, we're going to get a share because yes. you you almost feel like Texas is going to lose at least they one have more to game play down the stretch. At Baylor at TCU, so then even if and they beat Iowa, you, and Iowa State. Yes, exactly. Are they really going to go three and zero in those games? No, probably yeah. not. So, I mean, that that makes it so much easier to the path to winning the Big 12. Whereas the flip side to this, if you lose that game, I mean, you have to win at least three of the next four, and you might have to go 4-0. and And Baylor's path at that point, if Baylor would have won that game, we would be looking at Baylor. At that point, they would have won, what, 10 of 11 games? And you would be saying Baylor's probably going to get to 13 wins. Yeah. Right? Yeah. To where... Then you're you're saying for Kansas, but then you the, would have to go four now. I'm just, dude. If 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 KU would have lost, I would have been I would have been so sad. I've been so mad because like Scott Drew is just a he's just a, a clown. He's a clown, yeah. dude. The the fact that I'll, I'll be honest, so I was I was uh, like, broadcasting some uh, some basketball for Baker University, and uh, I I wasn't really able to watch. I I had a little bit of a, a time slot between the, the two games I was broadcasting. That I got to watch a little bit of the game, and then I went back later after that. I got later that night and rewatched the games. And, and there was a moment where I was it was during my my little period between, and I saw Scott Drew. I I didn't get to watch, but I was I, I saw on Twitter in the aftermath that apparently during the halftime speech. He or not speech the halftime like interview with Holly Rowe. He was complaining about the foul discrepancy basically, and how I think Baylor had been whistled for eleven and Kansas had been whistled for six. At that point, they were up thirteen points, and that is such a clown move. One, <laughs> the idea that the, the fouls have to be even is so stupid because uh, Baylor half of their shots in the first half were threes, yeah. and. I think that I think Chris Stone talked about this. Yeah, on, if you're on Twitter. a jump shooting team, you're going to get less fouls. Uh, yes, of course. They only took five shots at the rim in the first half. How many are you going to get fouled on if you're not taking a ton at the rim, where the most of the fouls happen? And and so beyond beyond that point, where the foul discrepancy <laughs> thing is stupid, the idea that you are up 13 as a head coach and you are worried about that 
tells me that he went into his locker because he he brought that up unprompted, expecting to lose. Uh, that he went into his locker room talking to his kids about like, don't worry about the foul discrepancy, like blah blah. blah. To where you're focusing on the wrong things, bud. You're you're thinking about things that you should not be thinking about. You're you're worrying yeah. about things you shouldn't be worried about. And, and at that point when I saw that, I was kind of like, you know. I wouldn't be surprised if Kansas comes back to win. And, and then yep. after the game, he talks about how, yeah, we we developed the scheme where we figured Jalen Wilson was going to run right a lot, and we were going to have a guy ready to basically take a charge, and they get half the calls, we get half the calls, but we didn't get any. And first of all, I'm thinking off the top of my head, how many plays do you remember Jalen Wilson even running into somebody and there being a blocked charge call? I don't yeah, remember any, to be honest, maybe yeah. one. Yeah. And then on top of that, if your whole de- defensive scheme is, hey, let's try to flop, what yeah, the hell dude, kind of defensive scheme is that? If you're going to rely on the refs, that's just idiotic. Dude. Like, why would you eat? Why? Scott Drew's a clown. He, yeah. he is an absolute clown. and yeah. a, a very nice guy in certain regards when you meet him and talk to him in person. I will say that. I have also heard from other people <clears throat> that he is the one of the biggest, if not the biggest, negative recruiters in the Big 12, that he acts like this super... Um, nice guy in person but then when he gets behind the scenes with recruits he will negatively recruit other schools as much as anybody in the conference so I don't I I don't know totally what to do with that but in that moment for sure Scott Drew you were a clown number one and, on the uh, clown list you know KU one whatever John Calipari number two very close second but Scott see Drew. this this goes back to me with John Calipari I call Perry I I've never had a problem with him I I've always enjoyed <laughs> the fact that he is honest that he is honest yeah. that you know, you might think he's a slime ball. You might think he's greasy, but he, he's that way everywhere. You know, <laughs> with, with with like the Coach K's of the world, with Scott Drews of the world. I I can't stand the phoniness. I cannot. And you know what? <laughs> it, it felt even better that Kansas had that comeback and won by sixteen, despite him being a bit of a clown. So yes. whatever. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Phony you alert. All worked up here. Fraud alert. <laughs> Baylor. Come on down. Uh, We're going to take a timeout. More KU basketball talk next. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. About a quarter till four, you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson on KLWN. I don't really even know what to call this. Early selection show, the early preview, the... The bracket reveal preview. Yeah, whatever it's called. Dun, Uh, dun. (laughs) It <laughs> happened on Saturday, and the NCAA tournament committee basically they uh, the idea is it should give Wait, us. A, you want you want me to you want me to tell you what the act, what we should actually call it? Yes, ratings grab. Well, sure, I do enjoy it though. Like, <laughs> I mean, isn't everything a ratings grab? Isn't everything on um, except for like PBS? I, I well, gotcha there. <laughs> I'm literally stunned. <laughs> I am literally shell shocked. I have no response. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, I was so unprepared. <laughs> uh, but, but I, I do appreciate because it, it gives you an insight of where things stand, and it gives you an insight maybe of what the NCAA tournament committee is is valuing or looking at. Now, okay. we'll talk with Graham Doran, a little bracketology at four forty here, and um, I don't know how much consistency they did give us to give an idea of what they're most looking at. But we do at least have a. A note of where Kansas was at. Now, keep in mind, this was Saturday morning, so this was before Kansas beat Baylor, which yeah. would be another very big win. Alabama was listed as a one seed, the number one overall. They were given the South region. Houston was given the number two overall one seed. That is a little bit of a surprise because coming into the day... They have like two quad one wins. Yeah, Houston has four quad one wins. They have like one quad one win. They are four they have and like one. like negative three quad one wins. <laughs> 
They have like negative 10 quad one wins. What are we doing? What they, are we doing? <laughs> they're four and one in quad one. They're eight and zero oh in quad two. Uh, but I don't know. That, that probably was seven and zero oh coming into the day. Kansas, meanwhile, four and zero oh in quad two coming into the day. Twelve and five in quad one after the Baylor win thirteen. So uh, Kansas coming into the day before the selection right. had three times as many quad one wins and four more let quad me, one plus quad two wins. Let me ask you this. Yeah, Kansas was listed as the number four one seed. Yeah, Purdue was the number three. Is there is there any path to Kansas being the number one overall seed? Do you think? I think if Kansas wins out, there's they a win real like, chance. What two games in the Big Twelve tournament? No, I think they would have to win out. They have to win every. They game. have to win they their, win their the final four games and then win all three Big Twelve tournaments. Yeah, but if games. they win their final four games, that's what? How many more quality wins is that? I don't know if the the West, West Virginia, Virginia Tech ones at home might be. No, West Virginia I think is high enough. Uh, the West Virginia one, I think. So they would. have like what three more? You're probably looking at before the end of the regular season, five to six more quad one wins, and then one to two more quad two wins if you won out. So at that point, if they win out, they're getting the number one overall seed. So, but even if they, let's say they went out the regular season, but then they, you know, I don't know, lose in the Big Twelve tournament mm-hmm. after a game or two, is that good enough? No, I don't think so because I just I, I don't know how many more times like Alabama is going to. Here's the other problem. I don't know how this Houston but thing does is going to work. Matter out. If, if the other teams have less than half as many quadrant wins as Kansas, what are we going off of here? We're going off resume. Every single one of Kansas' losses, quad one loss. Yeah. So I mean, are you asking me what I think should happen or what what will happen? Because <laughs> if we're if we're asking what will what should happen, I agree. Kansas has thirteen <laughs> quad one wins. Houston has four. But based on what we saw, Kansas had twelve. Purdue had eight, Houston had four coming into Saturday, and Kansas was put behind Purdue and Houston. So that tells me that the committee is just basically saying, no, we think Houston is that good. Which I don't know how much that's going to change because Houston's probably not going to lose again. You want me to to tell you the Ken Palm percentages that they give Houston? for Yeah, go ahead and give it to me. So Tulane at home, 93%. East Carolina on the road, 95%. Wichita State at home, 96%. Jeez. And then the last game of the season is against Memphis, which they only give them a 71% chance. Only. At home. <clears throat> Does KU have a game remaining that's, I don't even know, maybe the West Virginia te- or Tech ones. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, Ken Palm loves Kansas against Texas Tech. They're giving them an 85% chance to okay. win that game. What's the West Virginia one? 76. So basically, KU's second easiest game remaining, West Virginia, is the hardest game left for Houston. <laughs> Would be, yes, yeah. by far. That's so dumb, dude. So dumb. So I, I don't understand why Kansas wasn't in front. Now, Kansas obviously added another quad one win by beating Baylor uh, after Saturday, after this came out. So I do wonder if they would have jumped Purdue or maybe Houston. I, we don't totally know the answer to that. But what's weird is that if you were going to give Kansas the fourth one seed, that would have made me think that that they wouldn't have respected the Big 12 a That's ton, right? Like, how much do you respect the Big 12? The but question. then when you look at the rest of these... Baylor was given a two seed, number seven overall. Texas was given a two seed, the number five overall. So that means they're the closest to being a one seed of the twos. Um, Iowa State was given a three seed, 11th overall. Kansas State was given a three seed, 12th overall. The rest of the Big 12 was respected very much. Yes. And here's the other part of this, too. Kansas beat Indiana, who was given a four seed, the highest four seed at number 13. So now you're looking at this. They beat Indiana. They they blew their doors off. Yeah, exactly. So now you're looking at this going... Wow, they respected like all the teams that Kansas has played, and you know you've beaten Kansas State once, and you beat Iowa State once, and uh, you beat Texas, uh, you beat Indiana handedly. Yet Kansas is the fourth of the ones. What? 
Those two things don't seem to add up I, to me. No, I 100% agree. Like, either either you're going to give the Big 12 the respect. That's what I'm saying. Like, like you're going to look at the teams. You're going to say, well, oh, well, Kansas has five losses, and these other other teams only have two or three or four losses. Well, like, what? they're playing in the best conference in, in the universe ever to exist, ever. Well, Literally in the history of basketball. That's what doesn't make sense with Purdue either, because it's not like Purdue is in the case of Houston where it's just they don't have a ton of quad one wins because they, they haven't suck. played them. Yeah, they Purdue, suck. Purdue's nine and four in quad one, so they have four losses. Is that would you rather yeah, be Yeah, they just got done getting annihilated by Maryland. Oh, here's the number three overall seed. Okay, sweet. So I awesome. don't get it. I really don't. Now, here, here's a, a fun little stat, though. Kansas is a one seed, so that's a positive. Since the first men's bracket preview, which, which started in 2017 that they started doing this, 65 of the 80 teams have held on to the top four seeds when the final brackets were revealed. That's pretty good. Each year, three of the four number one seeds in the February preview have held on to top spots of the selection Sunday. Others all fell to number two seeds. Yeah, I think the way that Kansas loses the one seed is they lose to TCU and Texas. And then they lose in like the first or second game of the yep. Big Twelve tournament. Yeah, at that point then, you're still two seed. Yeah, and let's say you share the Big Twelve with like Texas, mm-hmm. but Texas would probably get a one seed, and Kansas would not. Well, probably. I mean, people will argue ad nauseum about whether they care or don't care where they're at. Um, the The part of being behind Houston that stinks is that you wouldn't get the Midwest, which is in Kansas City this year. <clears throat> now others have nightmares from when it was in Kansas City and they lost to Oregon. You know, it is what it is. I will say, how does Kansas City keep getting? Like the Sweet Sixteen Elite Eight, literally every year. Well, like. just a good venue, you know, well, it's in know, the middle of like, the country, easy like, to travel to. Other do other cities get that same thing? I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, it feels like New York City with the East Region usually, like usually like L.A. But, with dude, that's New centers. York. I know. Like that's New York City huh? or L.A. Kansas City, the the L.A. The of, L.A. of the Midwest, of the Midwest, <laughs> the New York of the Midwest. <laughs> no, hey, I mean seriously though, like if if Kansas gets the West Region, which they're projected to be in right now in Vegas. Um, I guess it would stink a little bit because, like, here's the bracket they're projected to be in. Gonzaga would be their four. Arizona would be the two. So that would not be ideal from, like, a— uh, But you also have the back against your wall mentality. And I will say, if you're if you're ever going to have a year where Kansas is playing in the West, sure, let's go to Las Vegas, you know? <laughs> like, that's a fun one. Now, I, yeah. I will say, yeah. as, as it regards to the, the teams that were picked in their same region, it's it's on one hand, it's pointless to talk about the bracket that they're in. Because the chances that it's all exactly the same, like Kansas could be in the Midwest, they could be in the East, they could be in the West, they could be a two seed, and then none of this matters. Um, they could also, like, I don't know, like the teams around them could, could there, there's so many moving variables, the things are going to change, it's not going to look like this. At the same point in time, they put out the bracket, let's talk about it, it'd be fun. <laughs> what would you think of that draw? Arizona's the two, Kansas State is the three, Gonzaga is the four. Arizona is the two, I think is a little concerning because they have, Big men that are really good. Yeah, they start they two have really that, good big what's, men. What's the name of that one guy? He has a funny name. So Azulis Tubelis is guy. their starting four man, and he's like a six ten movable power forward that does a little bit of everything. And then they have Umar Balo, who is basically like a a miniature Yudoka Azubuki. Okay, which is you know not as good. Yeah, so that would be, version, but that yeah. would be a tough matchup. That would I not think, be fun. And again, Kansas. they would have a lot of fans in attendance. And obviously, Kansas fans travel very well. But and obviously, Gonzaga has Drew Timmy. Yep, which would be. Again, an interesting matchup. I'll be honest, though. Gonzaga doesn't... They don't no, strike that fear no, in you as much, no, right? No, no, Like, okay, here are the no, other... I definitely think Gonzaga... And also, kind of what you talked about in the open, 
Gonzaga's defense stinks. Exactly. So they're that if you look at it from that standpoint, they're probably going to get knocked out pretty early. And Maybe. then Kansas State is the three would be interesting. Could you imagine <laughs> Kansas versus Kansas State in an Elite Eight? Yeah, I'd love it because there's no way K-State would win. <laughs> Just crush their dreams. Yes. I will say um, the beauty of if, I don't know, like that would be pretty unfortunate if you lost to Kansas State in an Elite Eight. But I was pretty surprised that K-State was a three seed. I was too. I, I thought they were going to be a little lower because the non-con. But again, that's what's weird. They respected, which I, they respected the Big Twelve enough to put K State as a three, but they didn't respect the Big Twelve enough to, to make Kansas in here. But I like, do wonder. Doesn't K State strike you as the team that's going to lose to a thirteen or a fourteen? I mean, we've seen it before. Uh, I think the last two times they they, they either won or shared the Big they lost Twelve. LaSalle, the one yeah, they were right? a four seed. That was the year they shared it with Kansas. They lost Lasalle in the first round, and then. Uh, the year they shared it with, I think it was Texas Tech in twenty the nineteen twenty season, they were a four or five, and they lost to UC Irvine in the first round. Oh yeah, I do remember that one too. Yeah. So like things have not gone well for them when when no, that's they, been they, the case. They would probably lose in the first round. I think. Yeah. Well, I think that. Um, but the problem is, I I I do listen. I I guess you could call me a hater. I don't know mm-hmm. what you call it. I I'll go through sometimes and I'll look at the bracket and I'll be like, well, dude, all these teams are going to lose in the first round. <laughs> Well, hell, somebody's got to win in the first yeah, they round. Do. They do. I mean, what are we doing? 32 teams have to win. Okay, let me ask you this. Would you rather be the one seed in the West, which is where it is right now? Potentially, you have like Arizona or UCLA, basically whoever ends up being the best from the Pac-12 will get yeah, two Yeah, it is kind of crap that that if KU gets stuck in the West, they're going to get stuck with yes, probably one, one of, of Arizona or two or of Arizona, UCLA, or Gonzaga. Yeah, exactly. Or I guess St. Mary's too, which honestly, St. Yeah, Mary's like, would scare me more than kinda, Gonzaga. That's kind of crap. Like, yeah, it is. Like, but here, here's the flip side of that. What if Kansas ends up a two and they do the same thing to Houston? You know, they, they put Kansas in the Midwest. Yeah, as a two seed. So <laughs> what would, you funny. would you rather be the one seed in the West or the two seed in the Midwest? Where you I, get Kansas? I mean, City? I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't really care that much. I guess. I mean, you have to pick one. I, I, I would probably take the Midwest. I guess. I okay. don't know. Because like, who cares? If I mean, does it matter if you're a one seed or a five seed if you win the national title? Like, who, no. who, who cares? Nobody remembers the fact that North Carolina was an eight seed last year. You know why? Because they win the national title. So who the hell cares? Well, I will say the 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 thing, that, and, and to your point, yes, you don't care, and also, I mean, obviously you care in terms of the matchups, right? But like, that's the thing, the matchups. Like, you now, don't know that until the bracket comes out. And part of the problem is, like in theory, the difference between being a one seed versus a two seed is very large because the Sweet Sixteen game playing a four or five seed, or potentially like we see the twelve seeds, not all the time, but a good amount of time making a Sweet Sixteen yeah. happens a lot more. Whereas if you're the two seed, playing a three seed is usually a very very tough matchup. But the counter to that is, what if the two seed ends up playing an eleven seed and the one seed plays the four <laughs> seed, like what happened last season for? I guess technically, I mean, you ended up playing a four seed in the Sweet 16 versus playing the 10 or 11 on the bottom half. So you don't totally know how the bracket's going to break. Um, I, I typically err on the side of give the highest seed possible because it, it tends to work out that way. But yeah, I, I don't think it matters yeah. like that much. I, I do think, though, that in this hypothetical scenario, if you, you're to say, would you rather be the two seed in the Midwest or the one seed in the West? I would almost take the one seed in the West just from a standpoint of, well, that probably means you finish the season stronger. Yes, because you earned yes. the one seed as opposed to and like hypothetically, to the two like you know, if if Arizona is the two seed and and then let's say Gonzaga, you know, ends up being the three seed. Well, if they're the two and the three, 
then you don't have to worry. You only exactly. have to worry about one of them. Yeah, that was like in 2018 when it was Kansas was the one seed, Duke was the two seed, Michigan State was the three seed. Yeah, and everybody's like, to, oh man, they got a loaded bracket. But it's no, like, you only have to worry you only about have one. To worry about one. Yeah, and, and that's exactly. what ended up happening. It's even better. You had to worry about one, and, and you beat them in yeah. Duke. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's 100 percent right. I I do wonder as I'm looking at this again with Texas being the the highest ranked two seed. That's so annoying. And, and then being fifth. I wonder if Kansas was penalized, like if they basically, the committee said, well, look at Kansas and Texas. They're both tied for first in the Big 12. Okay. We don't know which one to put higher. Let's just put them back to back. Like, I, I I wonder if Kansas ends up winning the but Big Baylor, 12. No, but this came out before they played Baylor. So Baylor was there too. And they made they made Baylor a seven. I guess. I just, I, uh, basically the way I where, where I'm going with this is if Kansas wins the Big 12 outright, I wonder if that is such a big boost that it that, hops that's them what I'm over trying to ask you is like is like if if KU wins the Big Twelve outright, but then they lose in the quarterfinals of the yeah. Big Twelve tournament, where are they going to be? I think they'd be a one seed. I, mean, I just don't know if they'd be if a Houston or Purdue. If you're thirteen and five, let's say you lose against TCU, but you beat Texas on the road yeah. to end the season. You're thirteen and five. That that gets you the Big Twelve title outright. Texas finishes twelve and six. Baylor finishes twelve and six. So you're the, you're the outright Big Twelve champions. You go to the Big Twelve tournament. Let's say you know you beat you beat a West Virginia or you beat a whoever, and then you lose in like the second or third round to like Iowa State or TCU. <clears throat> what are you going to be? Are you going to be a one seed? Are you going to be? Yes, the I think in that case you'd be one. I think if here's how I view it: if Kansas wins the Big Twelve outright, you're a one seed no matter what. Okay. To then get a number one like a higher one seed, seed or to uh, to pass Houston, you probably got to win the Big Twelve tournament. If not, at least make the Big Twelve like tournament championship. But if you win the Big Twelve outright, you're getting a one seed no matter what. I mean, we haven't even discussed the fact that Bama was number one overall. Yeah, no, they're uh, they've had a heck of a season. They've never even been a one seed in their school's history, and now now they're number one overall. Yeah, that's because so. they're a football school. More power to them. Yeah, that's not fair. They shouldn't be allowed to be this good at basketball this year. That's not okay. Are you going to say the same thing when KU football makes the, uh, make, makes the... No, you know what? I guess it is fair. Now that now that I've reconsidered. Are you going to say the same <laughs> thing when KU football is in the national title game next year? Oh, yeah, that's fair. Fair. Totally fair. <laughs> right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. One hour down, two to go. Case of the Mondays next. This is RCST. Tough getting out of bed this morning after your weekend-long bender? I got to get out of here. I think I'm going to lose it. Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> Instead of focusing on Monday, it's time to rehash the glory days of the weekend that was right now on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're freaking me out, man. I got a massive headache. Okay, let's just calm down. Oh, this is a calm down. Look around you. With Derek Johnson. When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? No. No, man. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Four o'clock hour here. If you're looking for the perfect destination for your next social or corporate gathering, Venue 1235 has you covered. They're located right off I-70, just five minutes from downtown Lawrence. Venue 1235 is a large climate-controlled event space with a catering kitchen, private suite, and a covered patio, and they have plenty of events going on. You can uh, check those all out. Later this hour, we're going to be joined by a bracketologist, KU grad Graham Doran, We'll uh, hop on with us at 440 to talk a little more about the bracket that we were just talking about. We've also got some uh, post-game audio that we'll share for you on the other side. But it is that time on a Monday, Case of the Mondays here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. First up, being able to mount insanely fast comebacks in NCAA football video games. Okay. So 
obviously, in, in college football, the clock stops at the end of first downs. Ross Dellinger of Sports Illustrated reported earlier today, college football leaders are moving closer to recommending clock rule changes meant to reduce plays in games for safety and game length reasons. Under one proposal gaining wide support, the clock would run after first down. So basically be what happens okay. in, in the yeah. NFL. Yeah. yeah. Now, if you remember, if, if you've played any like college football video game, which I, I know both of us have. Oh, yeah. I probably have. I would say NCAA Football 14, if I were to somehow find a way to collectively accumulate the total number of hours I've played of every, any video game, it's probably number one or number two, I would yeah, I would guess. Well, I mean, uh, think about how many times in those games there's, I don't know, 25, 30 seconds left. And yeah, you hit the you ball, you, you no might huddle. not even have any timeouts. Yes, you can just, you just run, run no, no huddle because every first down, the clock never runs. Yep, run no huddle, four verts, brought to yeah. the right. Exactly. Do that again over and over again. Boom, kick the goalie, win the game. That's no longer going to be a thing. Did you see the other ideas they have, by the way? No. Okay, listen to this. this Which, is, to be clear, I actually like the rule. It would speed up Ross games. Would be this good. Is the, he has uh, four, four proposals under consideration. Number one, prohibiting consecutive timeouts. So, i.e., like being able to okay. ice kickers and whatnot. That's an NFL rule as well. Number two, no untimed down at the end of quarters one through three. So, like, if there's a that penalty or something or That's whatever, fine. there's no yeah. untimed down. You just go to the next quarter. Sure. Clocks run out to first downs, except inside two minutes of the first half, or except inside two minutes of the half. So, does that mean that there would be a two-minute warning, or does that mean that the clock would stop on first downs inside two minutes? It means that the clocks would stop would stop on first downs inside two minutes nah, of both halves. I'm out on that. Just give me a two-minute warning, have no, it start. The, the number four is the craziest one. Clock runs on incompletions once the ball is spotted. What? That one, hell no. You're not a fan of that one? No, definitely not. You know, you know what I think? Have less media timeouts! Why do we have to take 17-minute commercial breaks every yeah. three minutes of the game? No, that's totally fair. That would certainly reduce the game. You know, or, oh, or the media timeouts, instead of being like dude, three minutes, were like hey, two ESPN. minutes. But they'll never do that. Let's kick off media timeout. All about the money. Run one play, media timeout. Yep. Let's kick. Let's let's score a touchdown. Media review. timeout. Media Extra timeout. point. Media timeout. <laughs> kick off. Media. Let's just do that. Yeah. Oh, good idea. Good idea, guys. Yeah. No, I, I do agree with you. That should be the way to do it. But we know that'll never happen because it's all about the money. <laughs> the thing that's stupid too about the because uh, I've I've come around on this. I think as a kid, you're like, oh, I love the the clock stopping at the end of first downs. And it, it for me, it always did relate to the video game. It was like it make games like crazy at the end of games. <laughs> but now you get older and you're like, well, I could use the extra time. But also, it's the idea that. You know, they say the clock starts when the chains are set, but some clock operators, some yeah, I mean, you get guys home, you who get are running clock. the chains, yeah. do it at different times yeah. than others. So yeah. just get rid of that. Just you want to know that. another thing that makes cultural games last way longer? What is the half times are a lot longer because they let the bands play and stuff. Is it true? Have you ever thought about that? Do they give them longer time? Yes, in absolutely. Between? Okay. Have you ever thought about that? Because I think NFL is like twelve minutes. Oh, college, college football 15, half time is 20? like twenty. So if you're looking to cut down on time, you could. I mean, that's part of the. Pageant, but listen, right? I like the band. Yeah, you know, I don't want to get rid of. the band. I don't want to eliminate that. I'd yeah. rather eliminate the, Dude, my the mom, first downs. My mom goes to college football games literally only for the band. <laughs> she'll just show that's up awesome. for the band, and that then she'll awesome. be like, "All right, that's what I came here for." I'm out later. That's hilarious. Okay, uh, Paxton <laughs> Lynch is having a case of the Mondays. Okay. Former first round quarterback goes to the Broncos. Really tough NBA or NFL career. And then he uh, tried to revitalize his career this year. He's playing in, yeah, the, uh, he's in the XFL. Yeah. Well, he got benched in the first week of the season. Oh, in the XFL, he yes. got benched. In the XFL, oh. he got benched. 
So I don't think that the comeback for Paxton Lynch is happening as well as he Isn't he like well kind of old now? I don't think he's as old as you would have thought. I'm guessing he's like 35. You're guessing he's 35? Yeah. He is 29. What? How's that even possible? Man, it hasn't been that long since he got Dude, drafted. like 2015. Do you remember the, por- the reports that the Chiefs were like super interested in him? Yes, I do remember that. Could you imagine another world where they take him in the that first was like round? The year, a year or two before, before Mahomes. Yeah. And so let's say they take him and they go, no, we're totally invested in this guy. Yep. We yep. don't need to trade up for Patrick Mahomes. Yep. Yep. And then I don't know where Patrick Mahomes is, but just just how sad our lives would be right now. It'd be, it'd be pretty sad. It or, be. counterpoint, what if Paxton Lynch just ends up being great with Andy Reid? <laughs> I, I will say, I do think Paxton Lynch probably ends up being better than he was with Andy Reid. Sure. But clearly, you okay, if we're going to extend out that hypothetical, it would be like you draft Paxton Lynch and you sit him for a year behind yeah. Alex Smith, or maybe two years behind Alex sure. Smith, and then you let him play then. So maybe after the two years of sitting behind Alex Smith, you can convince Andy me that offense, Paxton Lynch is like an average NFL starting quarterback at that point. With uh, under Andy Reid, plus having two years behind Alex Smith, yeah, He's okay. average NFL quarterback at that point. Okay, okay. But do you have any Super Bowl appearances? Probably not. Oh, I, definitely not. Do you have and five Mahomes, championships? Pff, yeah, no, definitely not. That'd be so sad, man. So sad. Case of the Mondays for him. Yeah, getting benched in the XFL. It's <laughs> tough. Uh, case of the Mondays for the Clippers. The LA Clippers plan to sign Russell Westbrook. I saw that. Which? Why do they think this is going to work? I, I don't know. Also, I okay. I don't really keep up with the NBA that much. He got traded from the Lakers to somebody else. To the else. Jazz. And then the Jazz just said, no, we don't want you. Yeah, because uh, one, the Jazz, the Jazz are like cut him? kind of trying to. Yeah, they just basically released him. Oh. Uh, the Jazz are basically like trying, trying to, tank. to tank one. Number two, also Russell Westbrook like hates the Jazz fans. Like, yeah. He's yeah. always had oh, the yeah. problems yep. there. Yep. Um, yeah, I remember that altercation he had a couple years ago. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of the idea here of why the Jazz <laughs> would do that. But yeah, so he he signed it with the Clippers, which for him, you know, he's like, oh, I don't have to move from whatever house. Say, hopefully, he didn't sell his, uh, hopefully, hopefully not. Hopefully, he didn't put his house on the market in L.A. But like, this is not going to work if you're the Clippers. What are you doing, man? I don't know. This doesn't work for anyone who brings him in. I, I, I don't know. Okay. I don't know what to say. Case of Mondays for the Clippers, man. Even I don't think they realize they're having a case of the Mondays, but they should. No, yeah, this this is definitely a, a future delayed case, of, case yeah. of the Mondays, where it's like we know they're having case of Mondays, but they don't know yeah. yet. No, so they, it's like we're in the future and we already know. This is a case of the Mondays. The person woke up. He had a weekend long bender, as is uh, in, like a in the cl- intro there. Clippers fan. Yes, he wakes up. They woke after, up super early. Yes, and they were like, "Oh, I feel totally fine," not realizing that they're still drunk from the yes. weekend. Yes, and then in like four hours from now, they're, they're going to hit terrible. a wall. Yes, and they're just—it's going to be a disaster. <laughs> okay, uh, this one uh, pronunciations gets a case of the Mondays. Okay, we talked a bit about last week. Jonathan Chamwa Chachua is a John one Chachua Chachua. I, I'm not really sure. Is it? I, I don't know. Like There's people, been a lot of different pronunciations. Well, now I I don't know if you noticed this. Okay. Because I've started to hear multiple broadcasters say it this way, and now I'm starting to wig out on it. <laughs> because I've always said Ernest Uday. That's what it is. Do people say Jay Uday? Billis and uh, I, I forget. It, I don't remember if. Uh, oh gosh, what's the name of the the play by play? Not Sean McDonough. Uh, Dan Shulman uh, does great work. I don't wow, remember. Which wow, you were just. I know. I, you were just profiling because he's bald. <laughs> I know. I know. You were just like, oh, bald guy, Sean McDonough. No, I said it's not Sean McDonough. But um, you knew that he was bald, <laughs> and that's what you were 
You were profiling because he was bald. Uh, you're right. Put you're some right. respect sorry. on bald men yeah, everywhere. No, no Dan Schulman, he, great play by play guy. Uh, so I, I forget what he, how he was pronouncing it, but Jay Billis was calling him. You were you were at the game, so you didn't hear this. I didn't hear. He this. was saying Ernest Uday. Uday. And I think the 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 broadcast uh, for Oklahoma State uh, was that ESPN Plus. I don't remember. I think they were saying Uday as well. And I just kind of shrugged it off as like, but now it's I'm starting to wonder. Uday though, right? Uday or Uday? Uday. I, that's what I thought, but now that I, the more I think about it, it was it wasn't Udoka Azabuki. It was Udoka Azabuki. Yeah, because it's the it, there's a U. Yeah, and there's a U in Uday. No, there's not. I think it's Uday. I think we've all been led astray. I want to get to the bottom of this. <laughs> Ernest Gate, man. What is the proper pronunciation? Is it Uday or is it Uday? It's definitely this. This you know what this reminds me of. Do you remember the big the big argument people had over how you spell doke? Yes. D o k e o k or d o k e. Yeah. This that's what this reminds me of. Yes, except I, I don't know that this one has been as as widespread yet. I don't it know that many people have picked yet. up on it. I still think it's Uday, but I could be wrong. I guess. I again, I, I always wanna, thought it was Uday, know. but then when I thought about it, I don't want to make it wrong. Udoka, <clears throat> not Udoka, might be Uday. So I don't know. We'll try I, to get. To I the don't think there's a correlation between those that that those two ideas. Okay, we'll see. We'll see. Time will tell. Okay. Uh, rules case of the Monday. I thought to be in the NBA dunk contest, you had to be an NBA player. Yeah, I was also really confused by this. So to be fair, I didn't watch the dunk contest. Neither did I. But I was like on Twitter, and it, and it was like, dude, Mac McClung just had a crazy dunk, and I was like, dude, who? The guy from Texas Tech? What? I what are we he's doing? He's in the G League right now, isn't yes. he? Yes. He got no. He he's got, played two he career got NBA games. He got signed by the Sixers, uh, by the 76ers, like three days before the before Just the NBA dunk contest. And then they were like, "Okay, here you go." Oh my gosh. Yeah, I, I but, feel like. Okay, listen. Whatever. He won it fair, good though, for him, but his dunks were insane. Yeah, I saw the no, videos. No, good for him. They were cool. I just—it's the NBA dunk contest. I agree. Well, also, it's part of All Star Weekend. Shouldn't you have to be an All Star? I actually could get on board with that. That the only people who can only participate people that can in the three-point dunk All-Stars. are that would be very cool. Wouldn't that make I, sense? I like it's that. part of All Star Weekend. Yeah, unfortunately, All Star Weekend. Too many you have, have All Stars Co- compete. <laughs> I, get I, it because I, it's All Star Weekend. Speaking of the choir here, um, I mean, what are we doing? Preaching to the choir, I should say. Uh, I yeah, so I don't totally get it. What did you watch more of, All Star Weekend or the XFL? I didn't watch either, so. <laughs> I uh, I was at a restaurant on Saturday night and they had XFL on in the restaurant, so I guess I would have to say XFL. But Dude, I was with okay, you. I listen. didn't really care about either. Like, okay, obviously I love football. Yeah, who doesn't love? Football? I can't get. Un- but it's I, like, I just can't. But it's like you, you know, I have I invest so much into college football mm-hmm. and the NFL that it's like I just I just don't care. It's just anymore. a letdown for me. Yeah, it is. I just, yeah. yeah. It's like I mean, maybe if there was a te- maybe if there was an XFL team in like. I don't know. I mean, I'm from Wichita, so if there was a team in Wichita, maybe like I would be like, oh, I'm gonna be a Wichita, yeah, for Rough me, Riders. Fan it'd have to be Wichita, like if there was whatever a team fan. in Lawrence. If there was a team in Lawrence, I'd be like, okay, I'll, I'll like get Lawrence. on board. Like, I'll go to a game, but I'm not gonna be like a diehard fan. Yes, it's I hard agree. to get to that low. And again, if if you're into listen, it, more if power you're a, to you. If like you're a you diehard like. fan, it's like a it's like a pie chart. Yeah. You can only give so much of your diehard <laughs> fandom to different slices yeah. of the pie, right? right? 
So for me, it's like the, Chase, uh, KU, and then that's about it. The one clip I saw going around a bunch was, I don't even know what team it was, but they were unhappy with a call, and they were like throwing, or, or they, I don't think it was a call they were unhappy with. Yeah, they, they were doing like oranges a, on the field or something. I thought it was or lemons. lemons. No, they yeah, were, they were lemons. doing like a beer snake, where like when you finish a beer, yeah, no, you so stack it on. They confiscated the beer snake. And so they threw lemons the fans, on the field. Yeah, it was Washington. Where uh, did they get the lemons? Washington, whoever. Dude, when life gives you lemons, what do you mean? When did life give them the lemons is my question. Life gives you lemons any, that's the thing, any time. You never know. You never know when you're going to get, that's the whole point of yeah. the saying, Derek. You never know when you're going to get lemons and what are you going to do with them? My my theory. They made the most of it, I my think. tinfoil hat theory is that they're going to start handing out random items to the fans in attendance because what's a good way to get people to notice your league? No, I agree. The XFL should definitely stuff. lean into like... Just the weird, crazy environment, mm-hmm. crazy weird things because 100%. that would get more people to probably watch. Yes, I don't think that I will ever be watching, but more power to you. Yeah, if you're into it, you know, like what you like. Not my thing, but whatever. Uh, Arizona Cardinals are having a case of the Mondays. Did you see the video that that surfaced around? Yeah, of I watched Jonathan about Gannon? ten seconds of it, and then I was like, dude, this is the most awful thing of all time, and I stopped watching. So Jonathan Gannon, a lot of people started making the comparisons. He is Michael Scott from yes. the Office. Jonathan Gannon was the former DC for the Eagles, took the Arizona Cardinals head coaching job. There was a video that was released from the Cardinals social media. Highly recommend watching it. Although part of me is like, highly recommend don't watch yeah, it. Yeah, I, I got so like, cringe. I literally got like twenty seconds to do it, and I was like, dude, this is stupid. And he is like introducing himself to all the players and it's just it's so awkward dude he has the one like did you see the one where he's like he handshakes I stopped the player, watching no I didn't he, see it because oh, I stopped no, watching dude. he like handshakes one of the players and then it's like silent for half a second and then he like he does this thing with his arms where he's like <laughs> and he's going and he's making noises with his arms as if he's a robot he's going do 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 he's like I, I forget what he it's so awkward and then he like he he introduced himself to Kyler Murray and he like he's like nice to meet you man like all this stuff and and then he just like like Kyler's not even talking and he's just like yo people ask why I took this job well not many other jobs have a franchise quarterback that's why that's what I you're, you're a franchise quarterback bud and like it, it, dude it's so awkward so awkward yeah I stop watching that it, it is not gonna work I mean uh, forget the fact that his defense just got torched by the Chiefs from like schem- a, a schematic level. Uh, yeah. yeah, that ain't going to work in an NFL locker room. Yeah. Okay. Um, lots of college basketball teams are having case <laughs> of the Mondays, but we specifically wanted to highlight a couple of them. Georgia lost by 50 points. They did. To Alabama. One, well, they, lost, they lost, what, 108 to 59? And Georgia's not like, like, this isn't Georgia of like a couple years ago where they were like, you know, ranked in the 200s in Ken Palms. Georgia's not a good team. They're not going to make the tournament, but like. You know, they're 16 and 11. They're not like a horrible team. Yeah, that's not terrible. That's no. like an NIT team. That was maybe. 50. Uh, Clemson. Clemson had been this <laughs> team where it's like, hey, they might win the ACC. Um, they were in the top 25 at one point. Yeah, they're like they're, they're going to be a, pretty a NCAA tournament team. And then, boom, they lose by three to Louisville. Louisville. No, they lost to three win Louisville. I'm sorry. No, well, three win overall. Yeah, yeah. Louisville had one win in the ACC play at the time. Yes. Uh, that's an ugly loss that could keep that's, you from the NCAA that's tournament. That's not even an ugly loss. That's like, what's worse than ugly? Like, <laughs> blasphemous? I don't know. Putrid? Yeah. Straight garbage. Really bad. Yeah, Louisville, even after the win, is ranked 278th in Ken Palm. And they they, they beat him by how 10 are, points. How is Louisville that bad, by the way? Yeah, I don't know. They're like, what bad. happened? I don't understand. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure really? many people in Lex in uh, Louisville, Kentucky, are asking that same Literally, question. Literally, what happened? I don't know. And then the last one is North Carolina, dude. North Carolina, like, straight up is not going to make the NCAA tournament unless something changes here. 
Uh, they just lost to NC State by eight, which that's not a bad loss. By the way, good NC win State's for KU. Be, NC State's a top 25 yeah, team. Say, NC, NC State's going to be like a what, a five or six seed maybe? Sure. But like for North Carolina now, they've lost five of their last six games. They're sitting at 16 and 11. They are eight and eight in ACC play, which ties them for... No, they're just all by themselves. They're ninth place in the ACC, which has not been like a great conference. No, the ACC stinks. They're going to go from preseason number one, up 15 in the national title game last year, returning like everyone but one guy to missing the tournament. Unless well, you know they like win their last four well, games you know or three last four. What's crazy about that is like without the national title run, like Hubert Davis is Hubert gone Davis at the end of this year. Probably yes. Yeah, if they if they lose in the first round to Marquette, or if, or if they, they lose, lose in the to, second or round, even to Baylor, if they lose to Baylor in the yeah. second round, and then they do this, they're gone. See ya. Goodbye. They're zero nine versus quad one. Goodbye. Yikes. See ya. All right. See you never. Case of the Mondays. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson, joined now by a special guest. That would be one, Graham Doran, who uh, you can check out all his bracketology work at grahamdoranbracketology.wordpress.com. Graham, appreciate you uh, making some time out of your day to top on here and certainly timely as we get closer to March. The NCAA had their early bracket reveal, whatever you want to call it, over the weekend. And I guess I want to start there. Kansas came in as the fourth one seed. They were behind Purdue and Houston. Uh, I know in your latest bracketology, you had Kansas jumping ahead of Purdue after the Saturday game happened where Kansas got the win over Baylor. But but I guess why, why do you think Kansas was behind both those schools? Because we look at the quad one wins and Kansas kind of blowing both out of the water. So what do you see in the resume that would put Purdue and Houston ahead of Kansas? And how, how close together do you think those teams are? I do think they're close. Uh, I think Houston is a bit of a wild card, and I'm not surprised to see them show up at second overall. And the reason for that is their efficiency metrics are just stellar across the board, whether it's Ken Palm, whether it's Sagarin, BPI, number one across the board there. Uh, Obviously, the net rates them very well uh, also. And it's not just that. They're actually 4-1 and against the first quadrant, uh, and two of their wins in that first quadrant really stand out. Uh, One of them was a true road game, at Virginia, and another one was a, an impressive performance against St. Mary's. So when you add all of that up, it just it creates a picture where you can, if you want, uh, have them at the top of the bracket. Uh, I think some would argue that maybe they haven't quite earned that spot uh, compared to some of the other teams up there, Alabama, Purdue, Kansas. Uh, but Houston is certainly the wild card where you could have them there. Purdue, however, I'll just be honest, I think that's indefensible. I think Kansas has such a clearly better resume than Purdue uh, that it was truly indefensible for them to be uh, behind them on the Saturday bracket reveal. I will say one big caveat with that. What I think the committee was looking at is, uh, according to Matt Norlander on the CBSI of College Basketball podcast, the committee met Monday Tuesday, and a little bit of Wednesday. What that tells me is the committee set their seeds before Purdue lost a game to Maryland on the road on that uh, Thursday night. And because of that, the committee just chose not to change the seed that they already had in place. We see this happen every year when it gets to college uh, conference tournament time. 
you'll see that teams who had a great regular season aren't really hurt much, if at all, by anything that happens in the conference tournament, whereas teams that go on great runs in the conference tournament don't seem to get a seed bump. I think that's exactly what happened here. The committee thought they had uh, the teams in a good order, and they would have changed it had they voted later, but they just never voted uh, separately. They, they just kept the teams in the order they were already in. So I feel very confident that Kansas is ahead of Purdue right now. I think it's a closer call uh, on whether they're ahead or behind Houston. I think if the Jayhawks win tonight at TCU, we're not just talking about whether they should be ahead of Houston. I think you're talking about whether they should be ahead of Alabama. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm curious then with Alabama, like how loose – do they kind of have control of that number one overall seed? And and how do you kind of view that in terms of, like when you're picking the the, the, the different regions, uh, if Houston were to jump up to number one and Alabama were to say slide to three and Kansas was two, do you think Houston would get the south and Kansas would get the Midwest in that scenario? Yeah, I think the an important thing to understand is how the committee – goes about not just seeding the field, but bracketing the field. So they do go according to the overall seed list. And in this case, Alabama, being the number one overall seed, wanted to go to Louisville. Houston's actually closer to Kansas City than Louisville. That is Mm. bad news for the Jayhawks, because what you could see is a situation where Houston wins out the rest of the season. Kansas maybe even drops, you know, two more games. Let's say they drop... Uh, a game in Austin or a game in Fort Worth and then drops a Big 12 tournament game, or maybe they drop games in Austin and Fort Worth and win the Big 12 tournament, the committee might feel that Houston should stay above Kansas in that scenario. If that's the case, Houston could be coming to Kansas City, and even if Kansas was the number two overall seed, uh, they could be shipped elsewhere. So I do think it's very, very important for Kansas to finish the season strong during the regular season if they want to get the number one overall seed and if they want to be above Houston, uh, we could really use the Jayhawk fans in upset of the Cougars because if they went out, uh, it's looking likely that Houston will be coming to Kansas City. Uh, and then really Kansas would be fighting Alabama and Purdue for a spot in the South. Well, I think I, I think that's kind of interesting in, in terms of Houston because it's tough when you look at their schedule and it's tough to find another loss on there the rest of the season. Obviously, college basketball can be chaotic and, and you never know when somebody's going to lose. But uh, I guess to that notion, even if Kansas, let's say Kansas went three and one down the stretch here and that put them at a 13 and five to finish the regular season. Let's say that's good enough to win the Big 12 even outright at that point. And then let's even say they win all three of their Big 12 tournament games. They're 6-1. and one. At that point, they're probably racking up another five quad one wins. Even in that situation where uh, if Houston goes undefeated there with Kansas racking up so many more quality wins than Houston would have, even in that scenario, do you think it would be tough for them to jump the Cougars? Not in that particular scenario you okay. raised. I think KU can afford one more loss and get the overall number one seed of the tournament. And I think it could be in either scenario. I think it could be a regular season loss or losing in the Big 12 tournament. If they, Because it goes back again to the process of how the committee does this. The committee will get together on the Wednesday before the tournament bracket comes out, and they're going to vote their initial seeds on the very, probably just the very top line, just the number one seeds. And whatever that bracket range is, whatever that overall seed list is, all they're going to do from that point forward is scrub it. They will not be voting again on where those teams go. The only thing they could do is say, okay, 
Kansas entered conference tournament week number one overall, and Houston's number two overall. Did Houston do anything so good or Kansas did anything so bad that we move those teams and switch them? They will not actually re-vote. They will only determine whether to move a team up or down one spot on the overall seed list. So here's where that comes into process. If Kansas were to be a team that has one at TCU, one at Texas, beat West Virginia and Texas Tech. At that point, I think the overall number one seed of the tournament is locked up. I think Kansas would have it because there's nothing so bad that could happen in the Big 12 tournament, and there's nothing so good any other team could do that Kansas would move to the overall number one seed. But if the Jayhawks do drop one uh, to TCU or Texas in particular, I think they can still grab that overall number one seed if they were to win the Big 12 tournament. And the reason why is because the Big 12 tournament would be such a tough road that winning that tournament would be enough for them to scrub Kansas above any team that they might be below. Well, we've been talking a lot about the, uh, I guess, positive possible scenarios for KU. Hypothetically, what would it take, do you think, for Kansas to drop to the two-line? And do you think that's kind of the floor? Is it the two-line, the three-line, I guess, in, in pure disaster? There is no way they could drop below the two line. Okay. I have heard some people speculate that they could drop below the one line, and I, I really disagree with that for a very particular reason. We know the committee likes Alabama. We know they like Houston. We know they like Purdue. If they like those three teams on the one line as firm one seeds, which they've indicated they do, what happens if Texas wins the Big 12 and Kansas doesn't? I think in that scenario, you probably go with the Longhorns because they're the Big 12 champions. So uh, I do think there's a chance that Texas could outright win the Big 12 by one game over Kansas. And if Kansas were to win the Big 12 tournament, the Jayhawks would jump them uh, onto that one seed list. Uh, but I do think there is a, a very realistic scenario where Kansas falls off the one line because Texas wins the Big 12. We're talking with Graham Doran. Again, you can check out all his bracketology work at gramdoranbracketology.wordpress.com. Uh, moving out toward more of the, the Big 12 as a whole, how locked in do you think the Big 12 is to having those top seven teams, and how close do you think um, getting that eighth in there is going to be with West Virginia or Texas Tech? I wouldn't say they're close to locking in seven teams. I think they've really pretty much locked in six. Uh, with TCU being the worst of those six, uh, resume-wise. But Oklahoma State's currently sitting at about a nine seed. That's where I have them right now. They have a tough closing stretch. They're at West Virginia. They host K-State and Baylor, and then they're at Texas Tech. In a lot of ways, it's almost the the kind of worst-case scenario because they've got two very tough home games, and the road games they have left uh, aren't going to be eye-popping. But we know going to Morgantown, going to Lubbock, those are very difficult uh, games to play. They're eight and ten versus quadrants one and two right now. I think if they go one and three, that might be enough. It would be really close. If they go one and four, I think they're out of the tournament, uh, barring something special in Kansas City. Uh, but if they do pick up two wins in that stretch, I think Oklahoma State will be locked in. They have played the ninth toughest strength of schedule in all of college basketball. Uh, but I wouldn't want to put them too close to a lock right now because they still do have a home loss to Southern Illinois uh, on the resume. And if it ever gets close, that could be something that would put them in danger. Um, as far as the, the eight teams, I think there's a possibility Texas Tech still in play, but West Virginia uh, is really the one I'm, I'm looking at a lot right now. They're currently an 11 seed in my bracket. They're 42nd in KPI and 46th in strength of record. Both of those are metrics on the official NCAA team sheet that basically try to determine how good 
was what you did uh, compared to the schedule you played. So they're not trying to determine how good of a team you are. They're trying to determine how accomplished you are. And if you just think about those numbers, 42nd, 46th, the top 46 teams in the country are usually all of your automatic qualifiers that win the best conferences along with your bubble teams. Usually when you get the 47th, that's when you start to get to the automatic qualifiers that otherwise would not have gotten into the tournament if not for winning their conference tournament. So the fact that West Virginia is sitting there at 42nd and 46th in those two metrics tells you they are very close to being out of the bracket. They do have five quadrant one wins. That certainly helps, but they are just eight and 12 against the first two quadrants overall. Uh, 32nd in the net helps. No bad losses. But I think, you know, you look at that closing stretch. They've got Oklahoma State at KU, at Iowa State, Kansas State at home. Probably a pretty good closing stretch for them. Oklahoma State and K-State at home you'd think would be wins. Uh, and if they could steal one at KU or at Iowa State, I think they would certainly uh, lock themselves into the field. So I think it's two wins that would be probably enough to stay on the right side of the bubble. One win likely won't be enough. And if they get three, there's no doubt the Mountaineers would be dancing. KU notwithstanding, what was maybe the biggest surprise or takeaway for you about that early release overall in the top 16 seeds and top four and everything? Uh, was there like one thing that stood out that, that maybe it seems like the committee is doing this year above all, or uh, is there a little less consistency this year? I, I do agree with you uh, that there's less consistency. That was one big thing that uh, seemed to stand out to me. On the top line, the committee obviously loved Houston because they had great efficiency, but where are the quality wins? They lost the Temple at home. Is it really defensible to have them above both Purdue and Kansas? I, th- I think you can make that argument, but that's showing that efficiency is paramount on the one line. But then you get down further on the bracket. On the two line, UCLA was eighth overall, but they have outstanding efficiency numbers. Tennessee was ninth overall. They have outstanding efficiency numbers. If it's really about that, why wasn't UConn in the top 16? UConn has great efficiency. They're top 10 in every efficiency metric in the country, so why weren't they in the bracket? And I think that, for me, was the frustrating thing about this reveal because there was just so much inconsistency about what helped one team didn't really seem to matter for another. For K-State, for example, they had some great road wins at Texas, at Baylor, and that clearly seemed to carry them into the three-line 12th overall but then you look at some other teams like KU and they're sitting there with 12 quadrant one wins entering the day and outstanding wins at that. I mean, you look at it, KU had four wins on the road in true road games over teams that were in the tournament all by at least nine points up to 28 when they beat Missouri. Kansas has wins over Texas, Iowa State, Indiana, K-State, Baylor. All of those teams are teams that are in the committee's top 16. So, I think you look at the inconsistency, and that's frustrating from a bracketology standpoint because, you know, just choose something. If you if road wins is what you care about this year, that's fine. If efficiency is what you care about, that's fine. But just be consistent. And I thought the committee wasn't quite as consistent as I would expect them to be. So what are the games this week, or are there any teams maybe this week that you're going to maybe be most checking in on as it kind of pertains to picking the bracket, whether it is at the top or just figuring out which teams are going to make it? Well, I I mean, I know this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk, but there's (laughs) nothing bigger uh, from storyline than Kansas. 
I, I really believe that. Uh, they have a chance to lock themselves into the one line if they can steal uh, the game in Fort Worth tonight as well as uh, beat West Virginia on Saturday uh, and set themselves up for you know just a home win over Texas Tech to really be enough uh, to get to that one line. But more so, I think it's about whether Kansas can flip the one seeds. If they can get to that overall one seed spot, all of the other regions have to move with them. Uh, and so all of the, the different matchups would change too, because all of a sudden if Kansas is in the Midwest, it means how a lot of other teams have to move around. So I'm definitely looking there. Uh, I'm also really interested in the Mountain West in general. There's a few different teams in the Mountain West that have a lot to play for. Boise State, I currently have a, t- a 10 seed, but I don't think they're locked in. I don't think they're qu- close to being locked in, frankly. Uh, Nevada, I just moved from the 10 line to the 11 line because I had to make room for NC State following their win over North Carolina. Uh, but then you also have Utah State, who has great metrics. They're actually 25th in the country in KPI, uh, but they don't have a win over Quadrant 1. Uh, so I'm really looking at the Mountain West this week, uh, and not just those three teams that are currently in my bracket or close to it, but New Mexico, which is uh, kind of hanging outside on the bubble. Uh, all of those teams have a lot to play for this week. So if there's one conference outside of the Big 12 that you're interested in from a bubble perspective, it would certainly be the Mountain West. He's Graham Doran. Uh, we're going to try to have you on uh, maybe once in the next couple weeks as we get closer to Selection Sunday. I appreciate you taking some time out of your day. Uh, would you like to plug anything? Where can people find your work? Uh, you already mentioned the website, but also at Graham Doran on Twitter. I post on there all the time, but uh, Derek and Nick, thank you so much. Absolutely. That's Graham Doran. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Two hours down, one to go. We got some uh, more Bill Self audio coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, and we'll switch gears from... KU Baylor recap to KU TCU preview. That coming up next. This is RCST. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk, 5 o'clock hour here on RCST. Uh, we have a cool little giveaway going on on our Twitter page at RCST1320. If you go, you'll see the instructions on there. Basically, there's there's, I don't know, three things that you have to do. Give us a follow. Dude, I do not know. You're the one that made it. I don't know. There might be four. I, I think it's three. You give us a follow, which hopefully you're already doing. So that's easy enough. At RCST1320. Yeah. Then you give, there's there's another account on there that we're doing this uh, giveaway with. Uh, it's called Mini Jerseys. Um, you give them a follow. And then you just reply to our tweet with what you think the score of the KUTCU game is going to be. It's that easy. That Boom. easy. Boom. And the winner is going to get a mini jersey, which you might be asking, what is a mini jersey? A mini jersey? Well, you can... Check it out on their social media page at Mini Jerseys. And it's basically, it's a mini jersey. <laughs> so they have these mini jerseys that they, they've created these NIL deals with, mm. with a bunch of different colleges, and KU is one of them. Yeah. So they have a bunch of the different players signed up, so you can get like a, a mini jersey of a Kevin McCuller mini jersey, or Dewan yep. Harry, whoever yep. your favorite KU player is. Yep. You get a mini jersey. And it's perfect. It's honestly a it's genius idea. It's like a idea. great like, man cave thing. That's it is. I, that was my first thought. It's my like, first thought, yeah. Imagine it like in your man cave, like you could hang the jersey like in the rafters. Exactly. Like above your man. Like it's like exactly. you know, something cool like that. So you put together your collection of, you know, you could uh, do it however you want. Do it however you want. You could get your favorite players every yep. year. Yep. So you could just be like, these are my favorite players. And you have them hanging at your house. It's a cool decoration. Yep. You could get um, the, every single player every year if you want to have like complete collections. Do whatever you want. It's really cool, but we're giving one away. So how we're going to do it is um, 
you reply, you do all those steps that I talked about, and you reply with your score prediction, and then the person who wins is going to be given one that me and Nick are going to deem tomorrow, on tomorrow's show, we're going to pick who we think the MVP of the game was for KU. So even if KU loses, we'll pick KU's MVP. And that player, as long as they have a mini jersey, we'll pick the one that has a mini jersey, um, because not every player signed up. Most of them are. That player is the mini jersey that you will get. Yep. So pretty cool. So if Dewan Harris goes for 20 and 10 tonight, and we pick him as the MVP, and you have the best score prediction. 20 points and 10 rebounds. You're getting a Dewan De- Harris for, mini jersey. For Dewan? I was uh, thinking 10 steals, actually. <laughs> the 20 is also uh, rebounds. So 20 oh. rebounds, 10 oh, steals. okay. 20 yeah. rebounds, 10 steals. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So do that at RCST 1320. Okay. Uh, KU takes on TCU tonight. We saw the first matchup did not go well inside Allen Fieldhouse. K lost by 23. Yeah, bad. TCU's healthy once again. They just hung 100 on Oklahoma State, which, by the way, did KU break Oklahoma State defensively? Maybe. People are asking. Top five defensive team. KU, KU boat races them. TCU puts 100 on them. Mm-hmm. Like, if you get a 100-piece put on you, you're automatically like, You've got to be. I don't care what the metrics say. You've got to be out of the top ten in defense. You you gave up a hundred points, a hundred points, one zero zero, a hundred. That's got to make points. you instantly like a, a just one of the. I don't care what Ken Palm says. I don't care what any of the metrics say. You're a bad defense at that point. Okay, sorry, quite sidetracked there. Fine. But anyways, yeah, TCU healthy once again, and this is a team that I feel like. We talked a lot about this season as a team that on paper looks really good. They've got a lot of athletes. They're really talented. They've got Mike Miles. They've got Eddie Lampkin. They've had some injuries. They're on, they, they were on a bit of a losing streak prior to the win against Oklahoma State. I, it, they're kind of hard to figure out, right? Like They're a team that at their peak is like a top five team in the country, but realistically they're probably more like a top 20, top 30 team in the country maybe with kind of what they do from game to game, but certainly a dangerous team. And with Miles and Lampkin, I think we both agree they're one of the better teams in the country for sure. Yep. And obviously we saw what they did to Kansas at Allen Fieldhouse, right? So this is this is going to be a very interesting game. And and Miles, he had a hyperextended knee. He came back and played 35 minutes against Oklahoma State and scored 15 points. So it seems like he's pretty much fine. Lampkin, I'm not really 100% sure what his status is. He only played 14 minutes against Oklahoma State, but they didn't really need him. I mean, they were, they were beating the snot out of them. So we'll see what happens with that, but... I mentioned it at the top of the show. I, you figure Ernest Uday is going to have to have a pretty strong performance tonight. He's probably going to be called upon against Lampkin. I mean, you have KJ too, but you figure Ernest is going to have to come in and give some minutes there against Lampkin. But the kind of the biggest takeaway for me I have for, for TCU is they're a really good team, just as is. And if they are efficient from three, they become a great team, an elite team. You go back to the win they had against KU. They were 8 of 15 from three, which again – in modern college basketball, like 15 threes, that's kind of on the low end, right? 15 three-point attempts per, for a game in modern college basketball. Well, they went 8 of 15. And then you look at what they did against Oklahoma State. Guess what? They went 8 of 15 from three in that game, too. And they won, right? And during the during that four-game losing streak they were on before that, they were really bad from three. 6 of 22 against Oklahoma State in a loss. 3 of 17 against K-State. 2 of 10 against Baylor. 5 of 19 against Iowa State. So when you look at their numbers, it's the two-point shooting and efficiency that jumps out at you. But to me, it's their three-point shooting that elevates them from being a pretty good team to a great team. And that's what happened when they played against Kansas. So, uh, yes, they're great and very efficient with two-point shooting, and they have a lot of athletic guards. But 
if you're Kansas, I think you have to look at what they can do outside the arc and say, okay, if we take that away and we're able to kind of match them offensively, we're probably going to have a pretty good chance. Because to me, what really stands out to me is the fact that the three-point shooting is what elevates them to being a team that can beat anybody in the country. I think that, yeah, that that all goes but in line. But as a team, they're only like a 29% three-point shooting team. So they are. Like on paper, if you're looking at them, you, you go into the game thinking, well, yeah, let's just, let's just pack the paint and let them fire away on us. But if, they knock, if they're knocking those down and they've shown that they can be effective from two-point percentage anyways. Yeah. 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 Uh, what makes things very tough is they're so good in transition and they have such a deep bench. They're so athletic. They're so fast. And then you over you overdo it on like protecting the paint, especially with Eddie Lampkin inside. And... You overdo it with some of those things, watching cutters and the athleticism, that all of a sudden they wind, they just find themselves wide open for a three if you overdo it. And I think we we saw a little bit of that in Allen Fields because it wasn't just that TCU was was hitting some like they did hit some tough shots. I will give them that from three, but there were a lot of wide open ones yeah. too. Like yeah, yeah. that was one of those games where KU the energy and the defensive energy was not there, and you left them wide open for three. So of course they're going to shoot better than than you would expect them to coming into a game. So you're just looking for better energy into this game and you would think on one hand well sure the energy should be great this is a huge game for KU you're playing a really good team on the road who beat you by 23 also though I remember last year in Fort Worth you were going into the game and and you were saying well KU has to win out to win the Big 12 outright so there should be a lot of energy and it was kind of a lethargic game that they lost in Fort Worth and also you have the fact that you just beat Baylor like is there going to be a letdown a little bit with a short turnaround Uh, you have the injury to like Kevin McCuller like clearly he was in pain playing through the game that's my biggest question in this one what is the energy level of Kansas going to be because if you can match them energy wise you can beat them especially if if they don't have that great three-point shooting night but if they out, out hustle you and out effort you, you're going to lose again. You just are because yeah. they are so uh, physically athletic and uh, strong and, and fast yeah, and, with what and they do. I am a bit nervous about turning this game into a track meet because I think we've talked about this before. But like you know, we look at Kansas against Baylor for example. Kansas in the open floor, kind of in that sort of loose transition style game. That's one of their strengths, right? But that's also TCU's strength. Not only is it TCU's strength, they're one of the top five teams in the country in doing that stuff. So if you want to turn it into that type of a game, you're kind of playing into TCU's strength at that point. So I'm I'm curious about what kind of pace of play Kansas wants to utilize. Because listen, the right situation is this: in the first meeting, both teams started hot. Remember, it was actually Kansas. I think it was tied at or it was 14-13 at like the end of 12 timeout, mm-hmm. and then TC went on like a 20-0 run. And part of that 20-0 run was. They got out in transition, Kansas turned the ball over, then Kansas, it was kind of like a snowball effect. Kansas got sped up, they turned the ball over again, They kept and then they just kept trying to speed up and speed up to try to catch back up, and it just ended up going the other way. So I'm curious to see what kind of pace of play Kansas wants to play at here, or what are they going to try to dictate? Do they want to slow things down a little bit and play more in the half court and try to limit TCU in transition, or do they just say, hey, we're just going to try to get out and run also, and we trust DeWan Harris on the open floor to, to lead us in transition? Because if, if you remember right, there's a couple of big differences in this game coming into this game from what we saw from KU at Outfield House. The first is Ernest Uday. Ernest Uday was not a guy that was really even in the rotation at all when they first played TCU. But the second big, huge factor is that the TCU game that they played at Allen, that was the game right after K-State. DeWan Harris had fallen and kind of hit his head a little bit. We were wondering if he was really still trying to recover from 
that injury or whatever, and that was really the first of what became a three- or four-game tough stretch for Dewan Harris. We talked about at the top of the show with the Baylor game. This dude's plugged in now. Yeah. He, he is locked and loaded, right? That's a big difference. That's a huge difference that Kansas didn't have when they played it on field us was was Dewan was clearly not not 100% or not, however you want to say it, fully locked in like he is now. That's a big factor. Yeah, 100%. And to that point, I wonder what the defense is going to be for, for KU in this game. Uh, it, it was made, I don't know, uh, mentioned in the post game and, and certainly talked about, we talked about it earlier, that KU in the first half against Baylor switched five. KU in the second half against Baylor changed that up and they they said, Dewan Harris, Kevin McCuller, you two are going to take away LJ Cryer and Adam Flagler. You just guard them individually. We're going we're gonna to hard hedge ball screens. We're going to bring the big man out, make it hard for them to pass the ball. We're going to quickly recover and, and have somebody tag the guy rolling to the rim. It was different than their normal defensive strategy. And so I, I wonder what they're going to do in this game. Are they going to continue to switch five? Or in a game like this, are they going to say, yeah, maybe this would be more beneficial to do the Baylor game plan? Because uh, that's kind of how I view it. When, yeah. when I look at TCU, those two guards on the perimeter, Mike Miles and Damian Baugh, are fantastic. Well, and on the flip side, if you're going to switch five, you you could be looking at switching Kevin McCuller on to Eddie Lampkin, which you don't you, love. You really right? want to see that? No, no, especially with a guy on a on a questionable ankle. Yeah, so that's I I wonder if this is a game where you just say no, Dewan, you stick on Mike Miles, Kevin McCuller, you stick on Damian Baugh, whatever with the rest. Yeah, and and it's not to say that like Emmanuel Miller's a really good player. He's putting up like 15 points per game. Um, he shoots it well from three on limited volume. It's just that those two guys are what what stirs. Uh, they're the the straw that stirs the drink. Like uh, yeah. they're they're what makes this team go on the offensive end. So I I kind of wonder if we're going to see that in this game and how beneficial that would be for KU. Um, besides that, like you look at TCU, this is one of the best defensive teams in the Big Twelve. So KU is going to have to work hard to to score offensively. But to that point, TCU has given up seventy plus points in the last seven games. I do think part of that is tempo, though. I mean, they're they're the fastest yes, team yes. in the Big. They 12. play at a high. Yep. They play. They play in transition. TCU and I think does. these are the two best teams in the Big 12 in, in transition offense. Yes. TCU, I think, averages the most points at it in the conference. I think, I think they're they one have, of the highest in the country. I think they have the most in the country, or yeah. top three in the country. They're really good at it. But KU's really good at it, too. So it's yeah. almost like yeah. whichever team does a better job of limiting transition attempts and also defending transition attempts is going to win the game. So how do you limit transition attempts in a game? Well, if you avoid live ball turnovers, that's a big one. KU had yeah. way too many turnovers last time they played TCU. But back to the point about Dewan Harris and and feeling more comfortable with where he's at now, I think you feel better about where you're at in this game. Yeah, Can absolutely. you force them into turnovers? Can you make them uncomfortable? That's going to be part of the game. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Because, like I said, Dewan being where he's at now, again, like it's, it's hard to quantify that difference, but... If you watch KU, you know it's a huge difference between now and where he was at immediately following the K-State game for that three-game stretch, which included TCU. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a huge difference that, that again, you, you can't really – it's hard to explain on the stat sheet, right? You can't. It's, it's just something it's – it's the eye test thing. You have to see what Dewan does, how he commands the floor, how he commands and controls the offense for Kansas. And that's a, that's a big difference that I think is going to show up in a big way in this game for Kansas. Uh, in, in a positive way, right? But again, I do think I do kind of think that Ernest Uday might be sort of the key that maybe unlocks everything. Also, is he's long, he's lean, and he's very athletic, right? And Lampkin is a great post player, but he's not maybe the 
he doesn't maybe he's not maybe the most fleet of foot, shall we say? Mm-hmm. So that may open the open up an opportunity for you to run some more lobs for Ernest Uday, for you to get in transition with with a guy like Ernest, right? Like could Lamp can keep up in transition with Ernest? I don't know. Yeah. So that's that's an area where I think you have a chance to maybe exploit a little bit more so than with more so than with KJ. And I think that was a bit of a concerted effort in the first game. You saw it, it's kind of similar to for KJ. The Baylor game, for instance, like in the first Baylor game, I think he was one for four, one for five, and then he was awesome in in this yeah. most recent game. Like they gave him opportunities to win in the short roll or win with that that short drive into the guy, and he, he just didn't win enough. And uh, second game against Baylor, he did. Yeah, um, that was the case. The first game against TCU, he he struggled in that regard. So maybe he just has a better game this go around. The second time with TCU, uh, something that uh, is certainly interesting. I, th- I think two things go in KU's way here. One. And I think both of these are Bill Self stats. One, Bill Self has only been beaten twice, uh, like both times swept basically in the regular season, twice in his tenure at KU. Now, I know that's not like in the first, what, eight years, nine years? You didn't of, play every team. Exactly. You'd, you'd play certain teams just once. Yeah. And in a lot of those cases, like it might be Blake Griffin's Oklahoma teams or Kevin Durant's Texas teams yeah. that you yeah. only had to play those teams <laughs> once. So that certainly helps. Some of those you beat. But like, you know, that that's a pretty incredible stat. It's only oh, happened yeah. twice. No question. And that makes me feel more confident because Bill Self is so good at adjusting between games, between the two times you play. The other one to this, and, and I think it goes back in line with that stat, look at every game KU has played this year where they've played the same team the second time. It has been leaps and bounds better yeah. when they've played them the second time than they've played the first time. And it's not just a, a factor of being like, well, of course you played better Baylor the second time than the first time. The second time was at home. The first time was on the road. That's not the case in all of these. So, yeah, like, when you look at Oklahoma, the Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, games. Oklahoma State, you barely beat by two points. And that was at home. Your second time you played them, you played them on the road, you beat them by 11. Oklahoma, again, first time you played them. You played them at home. You barely yeah. won by four. Second time you played them, you beat them on the road by 23. Um, let's see. K-State, who else? K-State was a game that, you know, you yeah, really lost struggled. Lost by one in overtime. And lost by one in overtime. Beat in, by 12 in a game at where home. you played poorly and you you cruised at home. Yeah. Baylor, you lose by six at home. You win by 16. Or, or you lose by six at their home. You win by 16 at your place. Uh, the only game that, that Kansas has performed worse in the second go-around than the first was Iowa State. Yeah. And that... That continues to look more and more like just kind of a one-off bad game. Yeah, yeah, just a one-off. Your team couldn't get up for an 11 a.m. tip. Basically. Yeah. So like all those things are going to KU, and and they make me feel like I mean we'll get to our game picks and and Rock Chalk Pickhawk in the next segment, but I don't know. I I might be kind of leaning one way, but at the same point in time, it's clear that TCU is a bit of a matchup problem for Kansas with their athleticism, and they if they play be. that type of game, could be they're a very good team. But in the end. If you can keep them out of transition a little bit less, if you can play with more energy on the defensive side of the ball, if you just hit shots at a better rate and they hit them at lesser rate than you played, you can win this if game. If you score more points yeah. than they score, you will win. Agreed. Analysis. All right. We're going to take a timeout. Let's get to those game picks and uh, Rock Truck Pick a Hawk next. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. About half past five, you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. So, uh, KU Game Picks, you stay perfectly 500. This is pretty remarkable. As planned. You are 13-13. planned. I uh, I started 14-8. and eight. I've missed my last four, so I'm 14-12. and 12. This is just like Rock Chalk Pickahawk. I'm, I'm just blowing <laughs> the lead, man. So, I'm at 14-12. Uh, the latest line on DraftKings, it has Kansas plus two. 
The over-under is 152. I'm taking Kansas. Woo! Give me Kansas, and I will take the under, but I think it's going to be over. What? Oh, so you're trying to say 500. Okay, yes. I see, I see, I see. Yes. So I am going to do the exact same as you. I just... The the Bill Self stat, the KU playing better the second it's time big around. Monday. Bill Self is ninety two yeah. and one on Big Monday. <laughs> KU having the chip on their shoulder because they lost by twenty three points last time they played them, having some momentum after the Baylor game in the second half. I'm gonna go with Kansas plus the two <clears> points, <throat> and then I'm gonna go under as well. That that's a lot of points, TCU man. He was given up seventy points in their last I know. seven games. What scares me is it's the it's two teams who who will like to play fast I mean, on the offensive you know, side. Seventy eight, seventy five. You're there. Boom. I know that's a little scary. I just I I think I'm I'm leaning toward mid to low seventies, but I don't love the over under one way or another. But I will lean under. Do you want to okay. do a same game parlay? Dude, we suck when we put these together, though. Well, we need to get a win. We need to get a win. <laughs> I don't want to end the season at you know Owen. Three or whatever in the same game parlays. Uh, yeah, we can put one together. Okay. Um, let me get. Let let's me go. What do one. I like? What do I like first? So, Jalen <clears throat> Wilson had what thirty against TCU last time. Uh, he had a lot. Yeah, I don't remember exactly how much. But he had a good a second half against Baylor. Playing in Fort Worth from Texas. True. I'm gonna True. take Jalen eighteen plus points. It is minus one eighty five. Jalen eighteen plus. Yes. Okay. Are we gonna? Are we each doing two picks? How are we doing this? I'm tempted to each do two. That's what we had been doing, but part of me wants to just get a win, and we each take one. <laughs> I don't know. That's dude. No, two is not same. a parlay. What if we do three? We, do, right, we so each we pick one, and then we agree on, on the one. third. Yeah, we each All pick right. one. And we agree on the third. Okay. So Jalen right. plus eighteen I, and a half. Okay. I'm gonna go back to one that. A bet that has hit for me quite a bit. Uh, Dewan Harris over under assists over five and a half. Okay. Dewan Harris over five and a half assists. So now we need to agree on another one. We could go with something like Jalen Wilson rebounds. Dude, I tried Jalen Wilson rebounds like three games ago. And oh no, it was the Oklahoma State game. Yeah. He had like three. Yeah, he is in foul trouble though. So I'm nervous about that one. I see, whenever a player gets in foul trouble, unless it's a player who consistently gets in foul trouble. I basically throw those games away from like if I win or lose the bet. If it's like you know, but if if it's like KJ Adams got in foul trouble, you have to account for that because there are a lot of games he's going to get in foul trouble. Jalen yeah. like rarely gets in foul trouble, so yeah. I I just wouldn't worry about that one that much personally. But right. you know, uh, we'll have to agree on something. Grady Dick over under four and a half rebounds. How do you feel about that? You don't like that? No, I don't love that one. Because we got Jalen uh, eighteen plus. KJ Adams, I don't love that either. Mm. To one over five and a half. Kansas team total seventy four and a half. Who? That's interesting. I like that you like one. Seventy four and a half. Yeah. At minus one thirty. But I'm not seeing that one on oh, game props. Maybe. Okay. Yeah, so Kansas over seventy four and a half or seventy five and a half. Let's do seventy four. What your odds? What odds you want? You we'll get seventy seventy five and a half minus one ten. We're doing seventy four. Okay, 74 and a half. All right, so that three parlay. Jalen Wilson, 18 plus points. Dewan okay. Harris, over five and a half assists. Yep. Kansas, over 74 and a half points. Yep. Pays off plus 220. Okay, that's not that great. So basically, no, but if we win, that basically washes away the sins of our first two losses. True. Basically no, be, that is true. At that point, you know, we yeah, made up for the true. losses. And, no, and a little bit more. That so that's what true. we're going to do. Jalen Wilson, 18 plus points. <clears throat> Dewan Harris, over five and a half assists. 
Kansas over 74.5 points. Perfect. Okay, Rock right. Chalk Pick a Hawk to finish things up here for this segment. Uh, reminder, we each will pick six players. Serpentine, I have the first pick this time. You get a point for every point they score. You get two points for assists and rebounds. Three points for steals and blocks. You lose a point for every shot they miss. You lose two for turnovers. You lose one for fouls and an additional minus three if a player fouls out. All right, so you've had almost three hours to determine. Are you going to take Jalen Wilson number one overall? I have had three hours to determine. And part of me goes, you know what, Derek, we're tied 12 to 12. We really need this win this to get in game. front of Nick. This is a big game. The other part of me goes, well, but it'd be kind of cool if Jalen Wilson played well, and I feel like I'm getting the kibosh when I when I take him. And also now we have Jalen Wilson in our parlay. <laughs> I am not going to take Jalen Wilson first okay. of all. Okay. So you're welcome. You're welcome in advance. Okay. I'm doing it for the betterment of society. Well, when you're when you're 12 and 13 and I'm in the lead, you can use that to just know that I did it for the night. people. Sure, I yeah, did whatever, it for whatever helps the people. you sleep at night, man. Even though you're a loser, <laughs> the problem is if I don't take Jalen one, I have no idea who to take first. Yeah, I mean you could go with because Dewan Harris could put up you know a lot of eight assists. points, ten assists. He could also have four points, six assists. Yeah, KJ Adams McCuller could put up could have a lot of sixteen points, six rebounds, and two blocks. Obviously, he could Grady. also get in foul trouble and Grady. have. Eight points, two rebounds. Grady could go off. Grady could go off. He could miss every shot. <laughs> Kevin McCuller has a sprained ankle. We th- we don't know for sure. Well, he has some sort of ankle. He's ankling. dealing with it. Yeah. I'm going to go with Kevin McCuller. Okay. And Kevin, we trust. Don't love it, but you're welcome for Jalen. Well, I will take Jalen. Yes, number two, I'll take Jalen. Yep. And I will take Dewan with my next pick. Okay. Jalen and Dewan. All right, so now I'm going to get KJ Adams. Just hope he avoids foul trouble. And then I'll uh, take Grady Dick and just hope it's a, a plus shooting night for him. I'm going to go with Ernest. And mm, this is where things get interesting. Because I can take a TCU player here. I could take Bobby. I had a good game last game. He only had eight pickhawk points, though. Yeah, but, That's you know. a pretty good game for yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think I should snag a TCU player here. I'm going to go with Mike Miles. Okay. So, Mike Miles, now I can wait on a TCU guy. Um, I will take Bobby. Bobby Pettiford. Okay. Yep. And then decisions. So, MJ Rice, I'm not going to take him unless I very much have to at the end you here. Joe. You've got Doobie. By the way, this is wild. I'm looking. Uh, What's that? Grady Dick. He's shooting 36% on threes on the road. It's 44 at home. Wow. That does not make me feel and better about the two Grady of nine now. Yeah. So it was probably over 45 before the Baylor game. Okay. Uh, Bobby Pettiford, my next pick. Ba, 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 ba. We could go with Joe. I will go with Joe. I just feel like he has okay. the highest floor for minutes here. Okay. I'm going to take Zuby. I, I know that there's a chance he might not play. No, but this would be a good game to pick him because if, if you're dealing with Lampkin yeah, and Cork injury, down low, you get, get in foul trouble. Or foul trouble, yeah. All right, so I only have one pick left, right? Yes. Hmm. My options are basically MJ or Jankovic, right? I mean, you could go with Zach Clements or Cam Martin. I don't think he'll play. Kyle Cuff? I don't think Kyle Cuff is going to play either. I guess I'm going to sit here and take MJ. The risk with MJ is that he gets negative because he's done that correct number of times. Comes in, goes zero for one with a turnover <laughs> and a foul. 
We'll roll with MJ, though. Okay. So I need a TCU player with the final pick of this draft. I could go. I don't know. I, I'm clearly not going to go with Eddie Lampkin because he's he's battling through yeah, injury. He hasn't been playing a ton. Yeah, he doesn't have a very high floor, I don't think, for this game. Pretty much the question here is, do I go Emmanuel Miller or Damian Baugh? Yeah. Um, yeah. Miller scores more for them. And he shoots really high percentage, so I don't have to worry about him probably being a negative. But I just, I'm, I'm so impressed with Damian Baugh, man. I, I think he's really, really good. He might not score as much, but he fills it up with the assist totals. He's going to get some rebounds in there. He'll crash the offense glass. Really aggressive, athletic player. Uh, I'll go with Damian Baugh with the last pick. So okay. I have Kevin McCuller, KJ Adams, Grady Dick, Bobby Pettiford, Joe Yesifu, and Damian Ball. You have Jalen Wilson, Dewan Harris, Ernest Uday, Mike Miles, Zuby Edgefer, and MJ Rice. We are tied 12 to 12. This is a big one. It is a big one. You know, we only have four games left. Yeah. And then Big 12 tournament. Oh, that's and then true. NCAA tournament. I guess that's true. I didn't know if we yeah. were I didn't I didn't know if we were gonna like separate the two. But you could have a regular season title, you know? Yeah. No, I think we should. You want to call it at the regular season and then we'll do it again for the Big 12 tournament? I don't know. Yeah, no, I think we should. I think okay. we should call it at the regular season, but still keep the stats. Yeah, yeah, the total stats. Yeah, yeah, it's just like yeah, yeah. college basketball season. Yes. It yes, all matters. Yes, it all matters, but yes. we know who won. All right, yeah. he's uh, Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We have some Bill Self audio we're going to share with you on the other side. That coming up next. Thanks for listening to the Best of RCST podcast. And a reminder, you can catch our show Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 live on KLWN in Lawrence, 101.7 FM, 1320 AM, or anywhere you're online at klwn.com or the KLWN app. Thanks for listening.